GSKP. What's the GSKP, you may ask? The Good Stuff Kids Podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm your host, Mike Mason. You found the show where I talk to the creators of certified and bona fide good stuff for kids and families. On today's show, I talked to Billy Jonas. I was really lucky this summer I got to hang out with Billy Jonas. He was actually my neighbor for about four days. We sat outside one night and talked about his music. He likes to create and build all of his own instruments and use found items to make beautiful, beautiful sounds. If you stay tuned all the way to the end of the show, you can hear his song, I Want to Know, in its entirety. Checked in a little bit with Uncle D this week. think you'll like to hear what he has to say as opposed to what I'm doing this weekend. And a 4 plus 1 segment where I count down the top 4 songs in my car plus 1 I try to get my kids to listen to. Thanks for listening. Hope you're enjoying the Good Stuff Kids podcast. If you need anything, and I mean anything related to the Good Stuff Kids podcast, all you gotta do is go to goodstuffpod.com. Goodstuffpod.com. It's on the internet. Mm-hmm. The way with Uncle D, the way it was with Uncle, uh, Uncle D. Am I being recorded? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uncle D. <laughs> Uncle D, mm-hmm. are you there? You, you sort of drooled a little. For those of you who know, this is an audio podcast, but not visual, but Uncle D just took a drink of water from his water bottle and spilled all over himself. Um, <laughs> Uncle D, I want to talk to you a little bit about Saturday, which is tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow. Uh, yeah, what are you doing? Oh, that's a great question. <laughs> uh, I think I'm going to get up some, probably around 8. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh, I'll watch some TV. What are you going to watch? I don't know yet. Like, imagine that it, it is Saturday at, at 8 and you're, and you're just waking up. And yeah. What are you going to watch on TV? And be honest. I think I'm going to – no, I think I'm, I'm like – Eight episodes into Narcos, so I think I'm going to just blast through the rest of Narcos. Okay, so you'll probably watch a couple episodes? Yeah, I'll watch a couple episodes. I'll drink some really strong coffee. Okay, uh-huh. I might go to the bathroom. That's, that's <laughs> up in the air. I don't know, but I might. Um, and I'll go, I'll go lift some weights in, uh, in the gym. Wait, hold on. On purpose? On purpose. Okay. I'm gonna pick them up and put them down. <laughs> okay, okay. It's... So, you know, to clanging and banging. Clanging. <laughs> okay. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yep. And then uh And so then that, I'm gonna come back. I'm gonna have some lunch. Oh, this is all before lunch, clanging and banging. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll clang okay. the clanging and banging's before okay. lunch. And then lunch. After, and then lunch. And then I was actually talking to one of my friends about going to see a movie. Wait. Maybe having a maybe having a, a big bowl of popcorn. Oh. So you have you talk to a friend? Yeah. <laughs> and you're going to go see a, a what? What is that a called? Mo- a movie. What is- a movie. Oh, We're going to see uh, Doctor Strange. Oh, really? Do you want to know what I'm going to do? <laughs> On Saturday? Sure. Well, um, my oldest kid, your nephew, has basketball practice at 8.15 and mm-hmm. then a game at that's, 9.15. That's cool. That's early. It's pra- an hour of practice and, and then a game? Yeah, that's sort of... But I'm curious as to how that's actually going to work. But uh, then, oh, and then after the game, we'll go pick up 
the youngest one at dance class because she finishes early and the older one has dance class at like right afterwards. So we'll go pick up the younger one. This Make- sounds like this sounds like the making of a of a good stuff a good stuff sports spinoff. <laughs> Could be. Now, but just wait. Then I'm thinking about and this is like pretty secretive. I'm thinking about going to the farmers market. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. I've been to that farmers market. They have they have very good spice nuts. <laughs> they do have delicious spice nuts. They have very good spice nuts. And they have kettle corn. Oh, That's all you pretty can, good. All you can eat as long as you have the money to pay for it. Um, that's just going to get me to lunch. I don't know what the rest of the day is going to be like. <laughs> that's ex- that's very exciting. Do you think that uh, I could take my kids to see Doctor Strange? Oh, like really though, why aren't you going to see Moana with your friend? Oh, I, I kind of want to. So maybe you should. I don't think we can. Why but not? I, why I would go, go to see it. What, why can't you go to Moana? I just don't think that two 28-year-old guys probably can just go see Moana in the middle of the day. Just like Is that a, weird? On a Saturday? Yeah. You don't think that two 28-year-old guys in the middle of the day on a Saturday can go and see Moana? I don't think so. I think you're probably right. All right, have a terrible weekend. <laughs> All right, bye. <laughs> Four plus one, top four songs in my car, plus one I try to get my kids to listen to. Coming in at number four this week is A Beautiful Day by future guest of the Good Stuff Kids podcast, Bobby Beat Cut. It's a beautiful day, it's a beautiful day, it's a beautiful day. Come on, yeah, come on, let's go, let's go outside. It's a beautiful day, it's a beautiful day, it's a beautiful day. Number three is I Think I'm a Bunny by Todd McHatton. We've been listening to this one for a long time. Want to hear my impression? You know what? I think I'm a bunny. You know what? What? I think I'm a bunny. 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 But you're not a bunny. You're a monster. I think I'm a bunny. Bunnies aren't purple. Coming in at number two is Alphabet Dub by Elizabeth Mitchell. Elizabeth Mitchell's one of the stars on the circuit, and I had never heard her version of the ABCs. A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P, Q, R, S, T, U, V, W, X, Y, and Z. Number one comes from another future guest of the Good Stuff Kids podcast. It's Beat Bot the Robot by Liz DeRoche, a.k.a. The Singing Lizard. Up and away, up, up and away we go. Plus one this week is a little bit different. I don't even know why I was thinking about this song this week. It's not one that's heavily in my rotation in any way, shape, or form, really. But I was thinking about this song. My wife introduced it to me. That's right. Shout out to Mrs. Goodstuff on this one. And I was just humming it and thinking, oh, this is a really nice song. Like, why don't I listen to this? This is a nice song. I should listen to this a little bit more often. It's If I Had a Boat by Lyle Lovett. Yeah, that's right. The former Mr. Julia Roberts himself. If I had a boat, I'd go out on the ocean. And if I had a pony, I'd ride him. If you liked anything you heard on this week's 4 Plus 1 Countdown, you can find this music at Amazon, Apple, or Spotify. Support these artists. 
It is with tremendous happiness and and gladness and the, all the good words that I can think of that I welcome my new buddy, Billy Jonas, to the Good Stuff Kids podcast. How are you, Billy? I'm good. I'm glad to be here. Good. So we are, we are live. We're sitting outside at Camp Newman in Santa Rosa, California, where you've been with us for, I think, two or three days at this point. It's been 48 hours. 48 hours. And if you had to... Uh, Give some adjectives to describe your 48 hours so far at Camp Newman. What are you thinking? Well, there's the aspect of it that's just about nature in California, and it's so beautiful. The air is so particularly crystalline clear, and the, the stars are shimmering, and the trees are, are just so embracing and welcoming. And so the nature is just amazing. Mm-hmm. And then the kids are... You know, across the board, they seem to be having a good time. I know there's always a kid that's falling out on the edges and homesick and stuff, but that's not the pervasive thing. The main thing is kids are just enjoying themselves with their arms around each other, singing and having a good time. It's yeah. beautiful. Yeah, awesome. Um, it is. It is beautiful. We're very lucky to be to be where we are. Um, so you are you are on the road this summer. Mm-hmm. You're touring the country. Uh, what are some of the places that you've been so far? This summer is about camps, and that's because my daughter is a year and a half old, and I just want to be with her every minute I can. So we've plopped ourselves down at a number of camps where we could be in residence. We did uh, Camp Coleman in Georgia, and then uh, this one, and we're going to Camp this camp Newman, and then we're going to Camp Schwader up in Colorado. Yeah, yeah. that's beautiful. You're going to love that one. Yeah, yeah. and there have been a lot of other camps where we weren't in residence where I just popped in and popped out Jacob's camp in Mississippi and Ramada Rome in Georgia and Camp Judea in North Carolina mm-hmm. so it's nice to make the rounds yeah so before your daughter was born what was the what was the summer like in terms of touring well I don't know that there was an organized plan before that it was just whoever called that's where I went mm-hmm. I think some people make a lot of calls and that would be good for me to do but <laughs> I have mostly taken the people that call yeah <laughs> they call you yeah so festivals and and uh, family gatherings at um, in, in different places you know they'll have family festivals and stuff mm-hmm. and then there's there's always um, libraries that uh, want to have a summer concert series and occasionally a camp especially in North Carolina and then a few clubs, yeah, mm-hmm. mixing it up. Cool. So I think this is a good point to uh, to sort of not not necessarily go all the way back to the beginning, right? Like I don't think we need to go back to to young young Billy Jonas. But how did you how did you get your start musically? What's take take us through the the career and and how we got to this point? Well, for people that don't know my music, I like to play a lot of stuff that's found object oriented. So homemade drum kit made out of garbage can and buckets and pots and pans and that all really began in the kitchen when I was about three years old pulling stuff out of the cabinet and my mother actually encouraged me mm-hmm. I think that was the key mm-hmm. she found a way to avoid having a headache I think she put some kind of a cover on the the mallet she gave me <laughs> it was probably a spoon but it probably had a sock over it or something or else she handed me pencils. Those are, that always works really well because you, you can't be really loud with a pencil, an unsharpened pencil, you know. Mm-hmm. And so 
that's where it began. And then when I was in in eight or nine, I went to summer camp, and the counselors would sing "Blowing in the Wind" and "Leaving on a Jet Plane" because those were kind of recent songs at that point. <laughs> it's a weird <laughs> thing to say. And uh, I just thought it was glorious sitting around a campfire and becoming an organism with the entire group of people. Like you could feel our connection with each other through the music and. And that was magical. That was the beginning of wanting to be a performer, the, the campfire scene at summer camp. Mm-hmm. After that, in high school, my friends weren't musicians, so we would gather in the kitchen with chopsticks or something and just have rhythms on the pots and pans. Mm-hmm. And that was uh, also a, a sort of seminal thing, realizing that that was real music. It wasn't just us banging on stuff. Mm-hmm. And I thought, wouldn't it be cool to carry this out into the world because I had never seen anybody else doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was glorious. So how did how did the career as like a recording artist? Um, it's, it's, we're gonna have a little ambient noise. You know, we're yeah. we're, out, we're out in public. So how did the, your career as a recording artist? Like when did that start? Yeah, that was 1987, Really, I graduated college and then started learning the ropes of being a singer songwriter. So I made a cassette. No, what what is that? Just kidding. I know. <laughs> I made a cassette called "Bang Along with Billy," and uh, it was a bunch of songs that I wrote at that time. I wasn't using any paper at that time. I had to keep everything in my head. Uh-huh. So for two years, I just wrote songs with uh, mnemonic devices to to remember them, and it was a very powerful process. And I I forgot a lot of the stuff that I made, but there is a document. The Bang Along with Billy cassette. Yeah, do you still have it? Somewhere. Yeah, seems mm-hmm. like it's in the archives. Di- a digital re-release. And then I was in a <laughs> band called the Billies, and that was ninety-one to ninety-five. The other guy's name was Billy, and my name is Billy, so uh-huh. we were the Billies, and we toured all over the country. Wow. And uh, did a lot of festivals in the United States and Canada. It was it was an awesome five-year experience, and we we were both. Um, singer-songwriters in our own right and he and I were both also big brothers in our families so ultimately it, we needed to part ways right. can't be two big brothers <laughs> yeah right but we did have a great run and we're still very good friends we love each other a lot and great. he sings on a lot of my recordings and I do the same for him mm-hmm. and uh, that was the beginning of being a recording artist really so that's when we made our first CD uh-huh. in 1993 uh-huh. yeah so what were what were the Billies like if you had to put it in a genre? Funky family folk music. So it was a lot of homemade instruments, of course, and then mm-hmm. sing-alongs. And we we did a lot of music that was very adult-oriented, but the adults would bring their kids. So we started mm-hmm. developing a family show to go with it, mm-hmm. and it quickly became a multi-generational thing. Mm-hmm. So lots of uh, zany and wacky ideas in a singer-songwriter vein, and mm-hmm. and always some beautiful ballads mixed in with some neo-tribal hootenannyism. <laughs> neo-tribal hootenannyism. Is that trademarked? Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> As it should be. Yeah. Um, so, it sounds like your your career has has skewed towards the sort of family music genre. Yeah. Um, yeah. At, at what point did you know, like, this is for me, like, I love making music for families, with families, because in your case, it truly is with families. Yeah. Um, and we'll talk a little bit about the, the live performance in, in, a, in a bit, but um, 
how do uh, how, at what point did you did you discover that this is for me? This is who I am. That was sometime right after the Billies stopped touring together. I was uh, retooling and figuring out my solo act again, and I had an opportunity to go play at some schools, and they they just loved it, and and uh, I got a lot of work that way, and so I got really good really fast at mm-hmm. that at that. Uh, demographic sort of the kids and the teachers all together and I just loved the glorious tribal feeling of a bunch of kids singing along Mm -hmm. and uh, that that was when that was so it was you know the Billies did a lot of concerts for families and and some at schools and I enjoyed that but it wasn't until after that sort of late 90s when I sort of went wow this is really a direction worth pursuing Mm so your your live show, right? Um, and I've seen you a couple times at this point. You, um, I guess, like you, you mentioned, you know, you have drums made out of you know paint buckets, and and you have a very large tub, which would was not out of place at like uh, on Breaking Bad, you know, like that size tub that they would use on that. But um, but but it's interactive, right? You talked about mm. your connection through music and how you know when you were singing at a campfire you you just love the sense of connection that's come up a couple times so but you also excel at creating that connection organically with the audience mm-hmm. so how how much thought is put into that by you or, or i guess it's even like going back to when you started like how did you develop the stage show and and have all these interesting aspects it's a great question because it comes from a holy place and a not holy place and the holy place it comes from is remembering that feeling when I was a kid at a campfire and just wanting to recreate that and carry it with me. And the unholy place is holy as well. I just mean it's (laughs) not as, the unholy place is not as worthy of um, trumpeting. It's certainly worthy of celebrating because I've moved beyond it, I hope. But what I mean is it came from a desire to be listened to. Mm -hmm. And I would go into these coffee houses in... Um, Chicago and it was very hard to get people's attention mm-hmm. they would be drinking coffee and playing board games and I'd go on an open stage and have 10 to 15 minutes to do my thing and it was a little demoralizing to sit up there and sing my heart out and have people with their backs to me and stuff so I started giving the audience parts and uh, they couldn't help but be involved you know, or, be, or, or stop playing their games and put their coffee down for a second because mm-hmm. they were enjoying it too, being right. part of it. And also, this is sort of in-between one, in-between the holy and the sacred and the profane. I was always hearing in my head large arrangements for the songs that involved like you know, five guys on buckets and six guys yeah. on garbage cans and a choir of people singing along. Mm-hmm. And uh, I didn't have the resources to put that together. I did at college. I was in a band called The Big Bang Theory, and we would, there were 12 of us when the thing oh ended. And so, you know, when you're at college, it's like at summer camp. You know, everybody's available, and you've got people that can come over at weird hours. And, yeah. Um, but once I was in Chicago doing this, it was harder. So I was giving out the parts that I could hear in my head to the audience and, you know, making them simple and sound good and essential to the song mm-hmm. and um, so so those are the three reasons that the, the participation sort of evolved for me and the feeling connected to the audience or, or trying to 
to bring in an audience connection was um, I love the feeling of that, but also I needed them engaged right. at these in these harsh contexts, the right. coffee house circuit. Right. And then because I was hearing in my head a larger arrangement, and they mm-hmm. could, I needed other people to do certain mm-hmm. parts. I, it's a risk. Like you, it, you know, it is a beautiful thing, um, but it's a risk as as an artist to to be in front, right? You know, I'm I'm picturing you in the coffee house in Chicago, and you want the uh, you have this idea for the arrangement, and to to open it up for the the audience to sort of even make or break your performance is a pretty risky move. Um, and I'm glad yeah. that uh, you know I've seen you do it. You know, with with uh, a, a tough audience, and by tough audience, in my mind, it was uh, it was like 150 or so, eight to 13 year olds, even last night. So clearly, the risk paid off. Mm. Did Did you feel like it was a risk, or was it something that you were like, "This is going to happen"? There's no doubt. Both. Uh-huh. Yeah, I thought it was a risk, and then I just completely visualized it and heard it, uh-huh. and. Uh, then it manifested uh-huh. <laughs> and it happened visualize and it will happen awesome. yeah, yeah um so how many how many records have you put out nine nine records mm-hmm. and the most recent was last year is mm-hmm. that right habaita uh-huh and so what's the t- tell me a little bit about the record habaita was my first f- uh, explicitly jewish cd all of the cds i've made are jewish since i'm jewish mm-hmm. but this one i was uh making it so that it would be inspiring in a synagogue context or a, a Jewish summer camp context since there was a lot of work being offered to me that way. So Habaita means homeward and all the songs on the CD are like points on a map. Every song is a, is a waypoint for a journey of the soul towards home, whatever that it means to somebody. Some of the songs are standard prayers that I've reworked with a particular melody that I made. And some of them are just my own particular forays into what I call soul spelunking, you know, uh-huh. going down into the depths of one's soul and taking a look around. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's that album. And it's a mixture of Hebrew and English. And the one before that is called Build It Back Again. It's a secular album, which which is kind of a funny thing to say because none of the albums are are devoid of some spirituality. They all have a spiritual thrust to them, but it's not explicit. It's what I call an implicit spiritual thrust. And people who are tuned into that hear it. They can feel that this is something that is uh, circumscribing a, uh, a universe that's got integrity to it. Mm-hmm. And the songs are about celebrating that, that mm-hmm. and uh, bringing people into that or inviting them into that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Um, s- um, and then, so prior to that, it was probably the one that I'm most familiar with, I would say, with What Kind of Cat Are You and, and Some yeah. Houses. That's that's the album that I know best. But on that one, you have, you know, you do a cover of Pharaoh, Pharaoh. Yeah. So I think that, the you know, the idea of a secular versus, you know, Jewish album for you, like it really is, I can see how you can you can call it both. Yeah. Um, in a in a true way, in a real way. And back then, I wasn't thinking that way. I uh-huh. was just it was a natural inclination. But I think it works this way for a lot of artists. Probably for you too. You start doing something, and then it's done, and you stand back from it and go, "Oh, that's what I was doing." Yeah. You know. And so then you say, "Well, let's try that again, or let's do it this way a little differently." And so every album's been evolving, sort of step by step from that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. 
So who are some of your influences, musical or otherwise? You know, I really dig Secret Agent 23 Skidoo. <laughs> He's uh -huh. awesome. Our mutual friend. Yeah. <laughs> he is a great inspirer and influencer. And he takes a lot of risks and he doesn't dumb anything down. And I'm inspired by that. And he puts a lot of focus and um, expertise into all his uh, uh, foundational the beats that he creates mm -hmm. and, and in the arrangements and the musicians he gets. And his recordings are just these massive achievements of amazingness and so that's an inspiration yeah and going back further in time um uh jimi hendrix oh good choice just because the passion that comes through is so palpable you hear 150 different electric guitarists just shredding it and then you hear jimi hendrix and to me there's no comparison mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i just yeah i just identify so strongly with whatever he was saying it's like yes 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 <laughs> yeah and uh, I love the music of Joni Mitchell uh, mm -hmm. I love the the complex um, harmonies and voicings she uses and the alternate tunings in the guitar and mm -hmm. I love the poetry that she pairs with it I really like Fred Rogers the guy from Mr. Rogers yeah, neighborhood sure. just because he was such a gentle soul and didn't ever talk down to kids completely just met them where they were and invited them to take a step up mm -hmm. and and was really all about circumscribing a universe with integrity and and love and mm -hmm. uh, I just I love following in those footsteps because mm -hmm. he was painting a picture that I wanted to be part of mm -hmm. and right. still do yeah. uh, uh, authenticity and integrity are are two words that I I well, integrity you've mentioned a few times, but I th I would say authenticity and integrity are two words that I would use to describe you and what you do. So, and what I mean is your tone of voice now when you and I are sitting outside at you know almost ten o'clock at night talking is the same tone of voice that I saw you use in front of you know this this crowd of kids that did not know who you were but were mm. you know immediately bought in and, and brought in by your you know you, your the way you opened yourself to them and the mm. way that you taught them and the way that you sang with them so um i, I that comes through that mm. comes through in, in a big way and just the way that you are interacting with people and you're you're kind with people that's not really a question. That's more of like a, you're, you're, you're practicing what you're preach, preaching statement from me to you. So, um, mm, I appreciate it. Yeah, of course. So what's, uh, what's in the pipeline for you? Like what's coming up in the future? I'm working on a CD that'll probably be for adults, actually, uh -huh. believe it or not. And um, I mean, I've done a number that way. I've done one, two, three, four CDs that are focused on adults. Kids seem to like them, but they're not focused on the kids. And this one, I'll have a title something like um, "Sacred Texts and Super Songs" or or <laughs> "Long Songs and Sacred." I want to have a sacred album that doesn't have to pull any punches in that regard, but is not located in any one tradition. Just sort of multi-traditional and. Uh, Songs that people might sing at a campfire or songs that they might just listen to in their car and just feel more connected to the universe. And uh, I'm excited about that. I'm excited. I, there, there's some of the pieces on it will be sort of experimental. For instance, we're chanting. Um, you know, I don't want to reveal too much, yeah, yeah, but, no but these here. are these texts that you would not 
think of as sacred texts, but I think of them as sacred. And uh, uh, some of them come from the most mundane places. And uh, it's exciting to me to mm-hmm. get that prepared. Yeah. Yeah. So what's the... Um the process of, of, of album creation for you. It seems like you're pretty prolific. Are you putting out an album a year at this point? Over the past th- three years, two albums. So an album every 18 months. Oh, wow. Yeah. wow. Before that, took a lot longer, but yeah. I'm on track. Yeah, right yeah. Now. We'll see how long the next one takes. Sure. Um, so I think we're both uh, rhythmic at heart. Mm. You know, we're both drawn to the beat. Um, when you're writing, what's... Uh, do you, And this is interesting as a songwriter to ask a songwriter do you do you like find that the rhythm is what drives you or are you driven by melody i always am annoyed when so, when people answer that question by saying well every song is different but m- my answer is that every song is different <laughs> <laughs> now what now that i've said it now you gotta explain it, it. yeah <laughs> i'm usually starting off with an idea which is a very cerebral thing, an idea that I want to express. But the idea always comes with a feeling, and there's the feeling in my body is this excited inspiration, like, ooh, wow, that's a revelation. i got to share that. For instance, the song One. Mm-hmm. I remember the impetus for that, where the audience is going, one, all the way through the song. I was thinking, I need a song that connects everybody to the song and gives them a simple part where they don't have to practice it and learn it they, other than just hearing it and diving in. And I want it to sound tribally connected like music that I've heard that's come out of uh, different countries in Africa where you just hear one person going and everybody goes and it doesn't seem to be call and response they just know their parts. Like what could I do that would have everybody know their part right away have them be participating through the entire song and somehow would um, uh, be simple and cool sounding and fun. And so that was the idea. Mm-hmm. And, and I just, from that, I came up with, well, they'll just have to say the word one for every time we get to the one in the rhythm. One, right. two, three, four, one, two, three, four, but just don't say the two, three, four. And so then the whole thing was like, well, what does that mean? So then I had to sort of spelunk down into the song to discover, well, it means there's a oneness to all things, doesn't it? Well, maybe. And then I, then I had this idea, how, that joke about uh, the, stop car, st- the cop stops a car going the wrong way down a one-way street, and he says, don't you know you're, you're going, you, this is a one-way street? And the driver says, yes. I'm only, I'm only going one way. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I've never heard that. Yeah, I'm only going one way. <laughs> I did not do your your setup justice. I totally flailed on that one. But Let's I got you again. with you. The cop uh-huh. stops the car and says, "Dude, this is a one way street. <laughs> I'm only going one way." Perfect. Boom. <laughs> and I thought, there's a real kind of um, existential expansion in that joke, like. We're only going one way, even when we're going the wrong way. That's the way we're going. Mm-hmm. And I was looking around at the world going, it's insane out there what people are doing with joining up with different extreme religious groups that uh, that do crazy stuff to other people in the name of 
of religion it just boggles the mind and and other people joining up in the opposite end and doing sort of other extreme things they're like this world is crazy and this is the way we're going and it's one way the way we're going and it's totally changeable at any time but that's part of the one way so mm -hmm. how to express it so anyway that was a long way of saying all those ideas were all contained in that song mm -hmm. hi hey welcome oh fun is that a baby monitor two baby monitors for, all the for various, two babies for all the various you want to sit with us i'm gonna go take a walk around campus i haven't done that yet all right do you have any questions for billy I don't. I also know that you're recording. I don't want to <laughs> <laughs> I don't make appearances on the podcast. Yet. Oh, all right. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. It's still testing. So I will not interrupt, but thank you for the invitation. Yeah. And I do hope to sit with you before you go. That'd be great. All right. Very good. Cool. Enjoy. Okay. Enjoy. See you soon. See you soon. Yeah, I'll see you. So that was a long way of trying to answer your question, where does the song come from? From the so, so there was a rhythmic thrust to it. One, mm -hmm. two. But it was also that idea of one way, the way we're going. How do you express that to people that the oneness that we're all part of is so diverse? Mm -hmm. So that song on a lot of levels comes from ideas and then the music got plopped into it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, there have been other songs that, have that are groove based and I'm just playing a rhythm and then something comes out of that. Mm -hmm. But I'd say for the most part, it starts with words or an idea for me. Mm -hmm. And I always wanted to have a powerful groove. It just, because mm -hmm. that feeds my soul. Mm -hmm. So like tango? Yeah, I didn't make that one up. I learned it at a festival. Oh, really? And uh, this guy sang it to me really off key, and it took me a while to figure it out. <laughs> and other people taught me other versions. Uh -huh. And then I just was had that water bottle, and I loved the rhythm. And uh -huh. so I paired the two things together. And often that happens. I'll have a great rhythm and a totally distinct idea for a song going somewhere else and I just bring the two together and try mm -hmm. to yeah. tie, the, sew them. Right. So it's the same way that I make instruments, sort of finding stuff and yeah. putting it together. So uh, you you mentioned, you know, at the beginning you, you're, a, you're a found mu musical instrument player. So I guess what, um, I, I, not to give away your, your rig, your secret rig, but do you have something on the floor in front of you and you have on your feet you're wearing uh your special you know not special but your your shoes that have shakers attached to it yeah and then you and then what is what is um on like what's the extension is there just like a drumstick extension that you use yeah to... sticks coming out of the shoes altoid cans on the toes with uh -huh. ball bearings in them i call them magic music moccasins <laughs> and uh there's a array of pots and pans on the floor and salad bowls that are all strapped onto a broomstick so they don't bounce away as i'm playing them mm -hmm they used to bounce away it took a while to figure out oh attach them to a stick <laughs> uh -huh. and uh that's sort of to approximate um a big percussion ensemble that was an inspiration it started when i was 12 years old i heard the mandinko griot society they played at the university of chicago it must have been 1976 or 77 or something and uh i there was about 10 of them on djembes and calabashes and all kinds of instruments mm -hmm. at least in my memory that's what it was and it sounded great, and it, I thought, I wonder if one person could do all that. <laughs> okay, <laughs> like, well, yeah. You know, because some of the rhythms they were playing were very simple in and of themselves, uh, you know, the, the, each part. Uh -huh. I thought, one person would be able to do all that. And little did I know, that's what every drummer on a drum kit is doing, is taking what a percussion ensemble does 
and doing it with right. doing four things, you know, right. with, with all their limbs. Right, the hands yeah. and the feet, yeah. And so that was my t- naive 12-year-old sort of imagining, I'm going to try to do that with pots and pans and buckets. Yeah. And, and uh, I also had this thought, if I could do that, then anybody else is playing with me could do even more stuff on top of it, uh-huh. and we'd have a huge big sound with only two people or three yeah. people. Yeah. And so that's where that one-man band thing that you were talking about came from. The, the foot, foot percussion, uh, it was sort of just a means to an end of having more sound. Yeah, <laughs> right, sure. You know, and now that I'm older, I like to give out the parts to other people. I, I much prefer that, mm-hmm. but I still have some songs I do that way. Yeah, so the, um, the practice that goes into that. Are you, can you, do you play drum kit? Can you play drum kit? Barely. Barely, right. Me either. I can play djembe all day and like do all kinds of different things on that, but I cannot separate the hands from the feet with the, the cymbals and the bass drum and all that. But do you think for you, because what you do is amazing because you're, you're playing and you're singing and you're engaging with the audience and you're also doing things with your feet. Like how, how much... How many hours of practice time do you think it took you? I mean, yeah. if you had to ballpark it to get the muscle memory down where you did not need to think about it. I think it was about a two-year process wow. in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And at that point, you know, it was very rudimentary. But I remember I got my first song together with that drum rig, and it was called Plug It In. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had the audience going, A, C, plug it in, plug it in. D, C, plug it in, plug it in. Mm-hmm. A M, plug it in, plug it in. F M, plug it in, plug it in. And then I was doing percussion, so I had to teach them their part as I was playing, because I've always had this aesthetic that the teaching should happen as the song is going. Right. And uh, just feels good to me to do it that way. Mm-hmm. Feels neo-tribal. Mm-hmm. Neo-tribal. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, two-year process of developing that. That was right after college, and I had. Very little to do except that. I was working for Greenpeace. Oh, yeah? Three days a week, I was knocking on doors. Uh-huh. You were that guy, huh? Yeah. <laughs> and the rest of the time, I was banging on pots and pans, figuring it out. Oh, my And gosh. it was, you know, I learned a, a lesson long ago that I have to keep reminding myself. You can do anything if you practice really slow. So I would just slow it down and then half that speed and then half that speed. And then once I was practicing really slow, it became easy. Huh. And it would get in muscle memory, and then I could speed it up. I've I've never heard that. I think that's a, a profound and brilliant statement. You can do anything if you do it slow. Yeah, Jimi Hendrix. You can do a Jimi Hendrix solo if you play really slow. <laughs> yeah. 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 Sure. Wow. Okay, that's great. I'm gonna file that one away. Um, yeah. So Billy, how can uh, how can listeners to the podcast find out more about you? Hear your music. Follow what you're doing. See you on tour. Those kinds of things. We've got a website, billyjonas.com, B-I-L-L-Y-J-O-N-A-S.com. So billyjonas.com is the, is the gateway, but of course there's a Facebook page, Billy Jonas Music, or Billy Jonas Band, I think, is mm-hmm. the, the website, uh, the uh, Facebook thing. There's Twitter stuff. It's all accessible through my website. That's through the website. easiest thing. Great. BillyJonas.com. Cool. Well, Billy, it was really great to uh, to talk to you and Thanks. to get to know you a little bit more and hear about what you do because it's amazing. I like your questions. It's fun. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, no problem. Thanks. All right. Big thanks to Billy Jonas. So great to hang out with him. So great to get to know him a little bit and hear about his music. I want to thank Billy again for making the time to hang out with me. 
As you know, at the very end of the show, you can hear his song, I Want to Know, in its entirety. And that is coming up, well, in just a second. Thanks again for listening to the Good Stuff Kids podcast. You can rate, review, share, subscribe, like, link, uh, repost, retweet, any of the things that we do now for the Good Stuff Kids podcast. Do it. You know, do it. It's free, right? Link away. Free links. Free links. That's right. We are giving away free links. Thanks for listening. We will talk to you very, very, very soon. And now, I Want to Know by Billy Jonas in its entirety. I want to know. I want to know. I want to know. What'd you do today? Tell me more. Tell me more. Hey, baby. How are you? What's new? Tell me, tell me true. Built a tower out of blocks. And you knocked it and it rocked. You were sad when it wrecked. And then you built it back. Then you ate too fast. Oh, you had bad gas. Then you had a dirty diaper. Give thanks for the wiper. I want to know. I want to know. I want to know. What'd you do today? What's new? Tell me, tell me true. Today you chased squirrels and you ran them in circles, but they all got away. You're gonna try another day. You were sad when I went out, so you pouted on the couch when you met me at the door. You were happy once more. I wanna know, I wanna know, I wanna know what you do today. Tell me, tell me true. You cracked an engine block, had a bad engine knock, then you got into a wreck, and then they built you back. Then you drove too fast, and then you had bad gas, but they cleaned the dirty line. Give thanks for the wipers. I wanna know.
stuff.